Strategy one, positioning. Positioning is not about being seen as different from your competition. It is about being seen as the only solution to your client's problems. Amanda C. Watts. Most people realize that positioning means standing out from the crowd and differentiating yourself from your competition. However, less people realize that it's also about making sure you clearly position yourself as the solution to your client's problems. That way you will be the first person they think of when they need help. The strongest positioning efforts are those that have a single focused message for a single target market. Once you achieve this positioning in the marketplace, you cut through the noise, you get seen and you attract the right people to your practice. Once you're firmly positioned in a particular audience's mind, you become what I call a niche celebrity. It's about being well known by a certain group of people or famous for a certain solution. The knock-on effects of this are credibility, new opportunities and new clients. Just like a celebrity in traditional terms, you're looking to attract the right kind of attention from the right kind of audience. This is what niching does. It means you understand the difficulties that a certain kind of client faces and can provide a solution to overcome them. Being a niche celebrity. In some ways, I have become an example of a niche celebrity. I get asked to speak about my marketing ideas and strategies. People watch my videos, read my books and attend the events I organize. I'm not a celebrity like Brad Pitt or the Kardashians, but I'm well known to my ideal clients. I have thousands of followers on Twitter and Facebook. And when I go to events, many people know who I am and already trust my expertise. In other words, I'm a celebrity to a small niche of people, and that's all it takes to have a successful business. My friend Matt is another niche celebrity. He specializes in helping IT companies with inbound marketing. His industry know, like, and trust him. He's regularly featured in blog posts, podcasts, and has been interviewed on the BBC a few times. Another niche celebrity is Alex. Alex is a dynamic, forward-thinking, tech-savvy accountant. She's never spent a penny on marketing, but has still managed to create a niche celebrity status. She's asked to speak on podcasts. She wins awards. She represents suppliers from the accounting industry like Zero and Practice Ignition, and is highly respected, highly paid, and loves running her practice. Robert Frith is an accountant who lives in my local village. He too is a niche celebrity. He runs local events, has written a book, and is well known to a few thousand people. The aim isn't for you and your pioneering practice to be known by everyone and anyone, but by a particular group of people. This group is your audience, and you'll be the niche celebrity its members will want to follow. To be a niche celebrity, you need to have certain foundations in place. Firstly, a clear positioning in the marketplace. This includes what you do and who you do it for. Secondly, you need a strong marketing message that's easily understood and attracts your ideal audience. Thirdly, you need a personal brand that's known and trusted and which presents you as an expert authority. And finally, a stage which we'll refer to as platforms. These platforms are where your audience can find and engage with you. Primarily, positioning is the place a brand occupies in the minds of its audience. But herein lies the problem. Most accounting practices are not in people's minds, at least not until they need help with payroll or year-end accounts. It's only when an audience needs help that they'll seek out a specialist or ask for a referral. But unless you've purposefully positioned your accounting practice with either a specific audience or service, you won't be at the front of anyone's mind when it comes to referrals, nor will you be known as a specialist or a problem solver. If this is the case, you'll most likely be a generalist. 
This lack of positioning in a prospect's mind has a knock-on effect. When a prospect chooses to work with a generalist firm, their purchase decision is often price-driven, and the practice is not valued and respected as much as a niche firm. A generalist firm has more work to do building trust with a new client and proving that they're an expert at what they do. If you haven't positioned yourself in the marketplace, you'll have little choice but to be less picky about who you work with. In fact, you'll probably find that you work with clients who drive you nuts and drain your energy. I refer to such clients as vampire clients as they suck the life out of you. And they don't just affect you at work. When you get home, thinking about them will also encroach on your time with your family. Conversely, an expert can charge their worth. They've already built credibility and trust. Once you've positioned yourself as such, buyers won't quibble on the price. They'll trust your advice and take on board your recommendations and actions. A great accounting client will do the necessary prep work and your life will become, dare I say it, easier. David Ogilvy, once referred to as the father of advertising, refers to positioning as two things. What a product does and who it's for. So the first step before you even begin to think about marketing your practice is to work on what you do and who you help. Niching your practice. Without a clear process in mind, niching can seem hard and scary. How can I decide on a niche for my firm when there are so many different people I can help? Some people worry that niching their accounting practice will limit their opportunities and slow growth. However, the opposite couldn't be more true. The WOW company has nearly 40 staff and its niche is digital agencies looking for business growth. However, the company didn't start with this specific niche. Its founders built a general client base and focused on building systems and getting a great reputation. Then their niche found them. They studied their clients, they worked out who they most enjoyed working with and who they could make the biggest difference to. The founders, Paul Bullpit and Peter Snap, saw that digital agency clients were doing some cool stuff and that they could help them. So they created specific events for this niche. They wrote specific blog posts and created a specific community that digital agencies could become part of. Did they put all their eggs in one basket? No. They created what I call a hunting niche a specific niche at which they targeted much of their marketing, but they didn't turn away other clients. At first glance, in fact, their website looks fairly generic. It's only when you dig a bit deeper that you find their hunting niche. They do, however, run their practice like a clubhouse. Let me explain. The clubhouse rule. Imagine that a friend's invited you to play a round of golf at an exclusive club he or she's a member of. You've probably wanted to play at this club for a long time, but never managed to get an invite before. Today is your lucky day. You arrive at reception and are asked for your name. The receptionist checks the VIP guest list, finds it, smiles, and ushers you through to the clubhouse where you're met by your friend and other golf enthusiasts with whom you have much in common. By this point, you're feeling pretty good. You're excited and are anticipating a pretty awesome day filled with some great things. This is how your clients should feel when they start working with your practice. But if you're trying to be all things to all people, how can you recreate this experience for them? In short, you can't. If you don't have a member of your team to vet clients before they work with you, anyone could enter your clubhouse. Now your clubhouse is neither seen as exclusive nor valuable. You only want to work with people who value what you offer. You only want to work with people who are your kind of people. Only then will you truly love your work and enjoy doing it. The knock-on effect is that it means you'll also do your best work which in turn is great for your reputation. And remember, who you hang out with matters. 
When I was a child, my parents wanted me to be friends with a certain kind of person. They didn't want me to hang out with a bad crowd, with people who weren't good for me or for my reputation. At the time, I thought how unfair this was, but in all honesty, and now that I'm a parent myself, I totally understand. We are the company we keep. We need to choose our clients as wisely as we choose our friends. In 2009, when I started my business, I worked with anyone who would pay me, no matter how little. Then I began to realise that this meant I was poor, frustrated and stressed much of the time. I didn't feel valued. I was selling myself to the lowest bidder, and those clients who paid the least generally ended up being the most demanding. This way of working had to stop, and that's why I created the clubhouse rule. I began to consider what it would mean to work with clients who I actually enjoyed working with and who valued my experience. It was at this point that I decided only to work with a certain kind of person. I chose a niche based on 10 key principles. I created my clubhouse. Here are those 10 principles so that you can create your own clubhouse. 1. Which clients do you and your team like? 2. What's the revenue per year for each client? Three. What's the profit per year? Four, do they drain your time, energy? Five, do they refer you? Six, do they respond to your emails, calls quickly? Seven, do they appreciate you? Eight, do they pay you on time? Nine, do they listen to you? And finally, 10, do they provide required information on time? Whilst these may not be the only principles for your particular requirements, they're a great place to start. They'll ensure that you're left with high-value, A-grade clients and a pretty cool clubhouse. The knock-on effects will be increased productivity, profit and freedom for you and a wonderful experience for your clients. Now is the time to be a pioneering practice. I wouldn't have been able to write this book 30 years ago. 30 years ago, you either had a lot of money to throw at expensive advertising or you were busy building your practice based on referrals. There was little chance of you becoming a niche celebrity. The tools weren't yet available. 30 years ago, you still needed to be a generalist and to function as an accountant. Your firm had to fit within a category in the yellow pages and it would do better if it was called AA accountants than XYZ accountants simply because entries were listed alphabetically. Until recently, the big four and mid-tier firms controlled most of the industry and the smaller local and boutique practices were run by people like my grandfather's financial advisor, Mr. Baker, who gave me a sugary, sticky jelly sweet whilst I waited patiently during their yearly meeting. There was no competing with the big boys. Today, it's different. Today, it's a level playing field. Yellow pages are no more and all accounting practices are equal in the eyes of Google. The good news is you can dominate Google if you know how to play the Google game and the more specialist you are, the easier it is to play. The hierarchy of niching. There are four types of niching. Number one, micro niching. Number two, vertical niching. Number three, horizontal niching. And number four, generalist, which means no niching. Niching is essential to becoming a pioneering practice and I'm now going to explain each niching strategy by asking and answering two questions. What do you do and who do you help? So first of all, the generalist or no niche. A generalist is all things to all people. Asked, what do you do? A generalist will answer, I'm an accountant. Asked, who do you help? They'll answer, anyone who needs accountancy work. Next, horizontal niche. 
An accountant who has a horizontal niche is one who helps all people overcome a specific pain or problem. For example, asking, what do you do? They might answer, I'm an accountant who specialises in tax. Asked, who do you do this for? Their response might be, anyone who's looking to minimise their tax payments. Having a horizontal niche makes writing your marketing material so much easier. It also enables you to position yourself and your accounting firm as experts because you can showcase how you've saved clients thousands and that you and your firm are master tax technicians. Vertical niche. An accountant who has a vertical niche is more specific on who they help rather than on the service they offer. When asked what do you do, they'll respond, I'm an accountant. But when asked who do you help, they might answer, I specialise in helping small tech startups. A vertical niche starts to make marketing even easier. You'll understand the pains that small tech startups have and be able to market them accordingly. You'll know where they hang out and what to say to them when you find them there. You'll also make it easier for your ideal client to self-select. That's me. I'm a tech startup and I'm looking for an accountant. Micro niche. This is the holy grail of niching. This is when you're specific on both the problem, the service you offer, and the personal business you help. Asked, what do I do? You might answer, I'm a tax specialist. Asked, who do you help? You might answer, I specialise in helping tech startups minimise their end of year tax payments and maximise their profit. If you were a tech startup, which kind of accountant would you want to work with? Choosing your niche. Just like the WOW company, working out which clients you work most productively with is the best place to start. They're the ones you provide most value to and most enjoy helping. If you can find the sweet spot of liking the client, they're paying well and you're being brilliant at helping them overcome their pains, then you've hit the jackpot. When choosing a vertical or micro niche, you need to decide on an industry. A good niche is one that you can find in abundance on LinkedIn. To start your research, all you need is to search by industry sector. Whilst plumbers may not hang out on LinkedIn all day, there are over 17,000 of them listed in the UK alone, and over 100,000 throughout the world. Other examples include interior designers, estate agents, and hairdressers. Remember, the clients you want are the clients you'll be happy to invite into your clubhouse. Examples of sectors within an industry include accountants with a turnover of 150,000 per annum or more, or pub companies with three or more locations or entrepreneurs who sell digital products, or haulage firms that want to sell their business within five years. Square mile accounting is a good example of a niche practice. Its core focus is pubs, bars and breweries. Its content is niche specific. It writes for its ideal clients. It doesn't write about accounting in general. One article that's well worth reading on the company's website is A Step Tattoo Far, which discusses whether tattoos are acceptable in the workplace. It's an interesting topic that works hard to attract their ideal clients to the website. It's an extremely pioneering way to leverage their niche marketing. But there's no hard and fast rule. If you have multiple partners in your practice, you may decide to have multiple niches. If you don't want to niche your practice as a whole, then try hunting niches, where you niche your marketing activity, not your practice as a whole. That way you can still niche your marketing and stand out in the marketplace. Here's an exercise which you may find useful to get you started. First of all, make a list of possible niches or micro niches you could work in. Secondly, Google them and see who pops up. If no one already has a clubhouse in a particular niche, then it's one you should consider. That's 
a bit of a caveat here. When choosing your niche, it's important to ensure it has a market. Creating a phantom niche, one which only exists in your mind, means there may not be enough traction in that market. Make sure the niche you choose has enough people in it to enable your firm to grow.